Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the fashion. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? The music. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. And the selfishness. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Life moves pretty fast. They think he's a righteous dude. Righteous, righteous, righteous dude. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. So. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ferris is the man. Well Ferris said. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. You're my uh, hero. Um, someone that I pattern a lot of my teen years after. This is Gina Vivanetto. I'm a columnist with TBT. Hey, and it's your old buddy Steve Spears from SPTimes.com. And we have a special guest today. Special guest. Oh, it's Chase Squires, the TV writer for the St. Pete Times, and uh, I'm here because it's always Ferris Bueller Day on TV. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is, lately. And we're going to talk about the motion picture classic <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, another fantastic John Hughes film and if you're a uh, 80s freak you are a fan of Mr. John Hughes. Would you say this is his best film? Breakfast Club I thought had no more soul. Yeah, I get no love for Ferris. <laughs> oh, I love Everyone Ferris. Everyone loves but... Breakfast Club, but I mean I, I think Ferris Bueller is by far from start to finish well, the best Ferris Bueller is the best fantasy, and, and I think uh, Breakfast Everybody Club is the best be reality Ferris. thing. You know, Steve fun- has a poster in his office right now in this year, 2005, of the the promo poster that they put out for this movie with Matthew Broderick laying, kicking back. With Leisure his rules. Leisure yeah, rules. And I, I had do. that very poster back in my room in high school, but I was not did not have the foresight to save it up until this day. And Steve has it still in his office at work, which makes me think Steve I am is a just about the God. coolest guy in the world. <laughs> I am, I say that way too much in the blogs, don't I? <laughs> I can't help it. I love that line from Almost Famous. No, I think, um, and what's funny, because we all talk about how Ferris Bueller is a, um, our fantasy person to be. And, um, or, was, to know. <laughs> or to know. Or to know. Just, even to say that he exists. Well, that's the sportos, the motorheads, the geeks, sluts, bloods, wastoids, sweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. <laughs> He's a righteous dude. He's a righteous I wrote that down. Dude. <laughs> now that, I have to bleep it. Who said now? Who, who's look, we should? Uh, who said he's a righteous dude? The, the Grace, right? That was uh, that was Grace. Grace was played by uh, Edie McClung, McClurg. Yeah. Do I, ha- actually, I have the list. Let let her say it. Oh well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. See, she's got the skills. <laughs> she's got the skills. But um, it's funny because I was listening to the uh, DVD audio commentary, which John Hughes actually does for Ferris Bueller, which is kind of nice because he doesn't do it for the rest of his movies, which should tell you right there which one he thinks is his best movie. But he says that Ferris Bueller, unlike his other movies, it's not supposed to be a real person. It's Matthew Broderick playing this role, it's, and it's meant to be exaggerated and over the top and idealized, and it's not meant to be... You're not meant to really think that there's really a person out there called Ferris Bueller who's right. exactly like this. I remember instantly when I saw the movie in the theaters, uh, you know, right away, Matthew Broderick start, breaks that fourth wall and starts addressing the audience, which, um, you know, I thought was so cool. I mean, he pulls it off really, really well. And since then, you know, a few other movies have done that, but I don't think any 
did it ever as well as he does it. It was just so like he 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 started off this movie so adorable and like held it up through. I mean, like he, his character, there was so much potential for to start not liking him because you know he's just this kind of guy that you know gets away with everything but right. for some somehow he pulls it off throughout the whole movie where you end the movie loving him just as much as you did in the beginning you he's know still he's still adorable your, that's yeah. the thing i mean he's, <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't really aged all that's that much true. how no, old was he he's when 23 that's when interesting he's, we, he's 43 now yeah is he 40? he's yeah. still just as he doesn't look 43 you know that cameron i look like i'm 54 cameron is 49 Wow. Whoa. Okay, so back when they made this movie, we, Cameron we found was, out. Alan Ruck was 30 years old when he made this movie. Matthew Broderick was 23, is that correct? Right. Jennifer Grey, who plays his extremely um, contentious and jealous sister, was 25. They both right. played high school students, of course. Alan Ruck, who played Cameron, was 29. I think he turned 30 during right. the movie. And Mia Sarah, who played the very um, Sloan seductive Peterson. and, and Sloan. exotic Sloane Sloan Peterson, his she, girlfriend. Yeah was only 17 so she was the only one who was actually a high school age teenage person and she's gone and she on seemed to, uh, like the most sophisticated one yeah. of the whole bunch she's done, a, she she's done a slew of B movies Has and she? like bit parts so she's really? still working yeah still that's good to know so that was very interesting she was the only one at 17 years old playing opposite Alan Ruck who was about 30 and Matthew Broderick who was 23 there's some other people in this movie that you see that have little bit cameos like yeah. um, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen <laughs> plays that strung out drug addict. Do you know that for that scene he stayed awake for forty eight straight hours before that and he, scene? He just, looks so, it. just so he would look as strung out as he does. His I mean, eyes are all red reminded, I'm reminded of Alec Guinness's famous words, try acting, it's a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? I don't know. Charlie Sheen likes to do things the hard way, I think, and I appreciate that. Or you know, actually knowing what we know about his life now, he may have just stayed up for that forty eight hours yeah. just because he was doing his real life things that he And then there's Ben Ben Stein who got his start Stein, in, in right, showbiz right, right. Um, I was telling the guys before the podcast I didn't realize that that was Ben Stein at the time you know and I'd seen the movie once or twice from now to then but still right. never kind of clicked but I watched it again right before this podcast and I and immediately you know you realize wow that's Ben Stein and he's of course the man who's you know Bueller Bueller right. anyone ben anyone Stein, <laughs> yeah, Ben Stein plays the economics teacher in the movie and he actually graduated from Columbia University with an honors in economics and has a law degree from Yale right and what they told him for that scene was uh, the only thing that was scripted was for him to read the role and then they just said, just read the role, and that, that's the part of the script. After that, they just said, give a lecture on economics. What a genius. So and everything he, he says, that entire scene where he talks about the Smoot-Harley tariff and voodoo economics, that is all Ben Stein ad-libbing. Hilarious. The man is a golden god. A golden if, god. if we're talking about where are they now, I brought a special present oh, to show you the kind of person that I am. Chase, uh, Jeffrey Jones, who played... Ed Rooney. Uh-oh. I brought Uh-oh. his page get from a little... the FDLE sex offender list, <laughs> oh, which you can go no, on FDLE. And there he He's is. He's not just a creep in the movie. <laughs> Six foot three, 275 pounds, um, pleaded no contest for uh, employing a 14-year-old boy to pose for sexually explicit photos, according to the AP, and then failed to register as a sex offender in 04. And here's a photograph of him. You can go on the FDLE website, and his address is listed in Sarasota if you want to go visit him. Wow! So I here, didn't know he we'll was from... Oh, he's, he's a mess, isn't he? He doesn't look too good Ooh, in this photo. Yucka, do. Holy smokes. Wow. Do you, you want to give that address again best. where they can look it up on the internet, well, you Chase? you just go to uh, myflorida.com and look for um, FDLE's website. You go in there, click on sex offender, and it's 
Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y Jones, and you can go and look and him up. He's in Sarasota. And you'll see Mr. Rooney from Mr. Ferris Bueller's Day Off Not right a good mugshot, I gotta wow. say. I didn't know he was from Sarasota. Poor Sarasota. guy. I mean, he really does steal the movie in some respects, He's really too. great in the movie. What's your favorite scene with Mr. Rooney in it? Well, I love all the scenes. You know, of course, when he goes to Ferris's house and stuff, and the dog gets all over him. But I do like the scene where he, he's th- he thinks he's telling off... Ferris Bueller, oh, yeah. who is just so fake. If you haven't <laughs> seen the movie, it's hard to explain. What, but but uh, <laughs> someone is calling, and and uh, his secretary tells him oh, it's yeah, Sloane's father, Mr. Right. Peterson. You listen to it? But let's just yeah, let's listen it's, to it's that. much easier just to have you <laughs> yeah, play. It's we'll very very funny off. scene. Genius. Here we go. This isn't over yet, Buster. Do you read me? Uh, loud and clear, Mr. Peterson. Call me sir, God damn it! Yes, yes, yes sir, yes sir. That's better. Well, you just mind your P's and Q's, buster, and remember who you're dealing with. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Ah, uh, see, there we go. Yeah. That's the flavor. That's great. Now we're sitting in butter. Yeah, there we go. So, um, interestingly, since we're talking about the people in the movie, there's a couple other things I want to share because like, this is this is sort of sweet and then sort of sort of sort of bittersweet the people who play Ferris's parents and they do a great job it's so obvious they absolutely adore Ferris and then they kind of Jennifer Grey the sister uh, what's her name in the movie her, his sister Jeannie. Jeannie Jeannie right 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 they, or they adore Shauna. So Sha- Shauna or guys call me Shauna okay bye Jeannie um, <laughs> um, okay. uh, Cindy Pickett and uh, the guy the man's name is what, Lyman, Lyman Ward. Ward Lyman Ward they played the parents in the movie after they made the movie they actually got married in real life which is really cute but then of course later on they got divorced like everybody right. does so. well here's <laughs> something else that's interesting because uh, Matthew Broderick was dating Jennifer Grey during yes the movie. that's right so when he's dancing around to I Dream of Jeannie He's, he's dreaming, dreaming of Jeannie. And that's his sister in the movie. Now, wasn't somebody think back when Matthew Broderick got in that horrible accident in Ireland, wasn't he wasn't Jennifer Grey with him in the car or something? Remember that? Back I thought in he the was 80s? with Mr. Rooney. No, no. no. Okay, different different incident. I wonder if in the back Mr. Rooney wanted to take pictures of Matthew Broderick. No, but remember I hate to do this since none of us have researched this part, but remember Matthew Broderick got in that really bad car accident in no, Ireland. I, I hate to bring Cruz this up. No, no, Dillon. it was Matthew Broderick and people actually died in the accident accident it wasn't really like his fault or anything no. but i believe jennifer gray was with him that's why she's here because she brings up these things that no one knows we google it steve. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> steve it was in the it prove was in that the mid 80s in ireland scripted. if i believe someone <laughs> anyone anyone bueller bueller <laughs> anyone? was it you in the car with jennifer gray um i'm gonna google that after this podcast and find out what's going on there it's just flashing into my mind you might actually give you our first blog item in about a week or two it was some yeah it was some sort of accident in ireland matthew broderick was behind the wheel I'm pretty sure Jennifer Grey was with him. She's not going to take the bait. But, um, Jennifer okay. Grey, of course, went on to be Francis Baby Houseman. Nobody puts baby the, in the, the corner. The oh, greatness right. that is. That's dirty oh, dancing. She Jennifer also Grey. has about a quarter of the nose that she used to have oh. in all these movies. She had some kind of severe You can, nose you can job. buy the rest of it on eBay. <laughs> I think right, so. Yeah. Actually, you can't because right I have. The, oh, and okay. I have it at home now in my right home. Next to charge from the Virgin Mary Church. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, Jesus, peanut butter, and jelly sandwich. Okay, trivia. Who auditioned for the role of Ferris? Big big star. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall. No, Eric Paul Stoltz. Rubens. No. Oh man. But they right. wanted. I can't believe I got. They wanted. Um, hey, Venus. Hey, easy. But uh, but Anthony Michael Hall turned down the role of Cameron. Right. That's right. right. I've got my. That would have been interesting chemistry with um, 
Matthew Broderick playing Ferris and Anthony Michael Hall actually doing the Cameron role. That would have been a really different kind of Alan dynamic. Ruck, I think Alan Ruck does a yeah. good job, and you know why? Because he is Cameron. The two of them used to be old buddies back in the Broadway days. Well, of course, Matthew Broderick still spends a lot of time on Broadway, but the two of them are Broadway-trained actors and grew up together playing opposite each other quite a bit on on stage and that's why you see that chemistry that exists isn't there a little story about an old acting teacher there is tell actually us the story, oh, tell us the story <laughs> one that once doesn't involve pathetic stories about your girlfriends <laughs> <laughs> yeah once I, okay so when uh alan ruck goes into his little mr peterson voice which is Sloane's dad, Mr. Sloan's Peterson. Dad. They're trying to get Sloane out of school, <clears throat> right? Oh, you have to have seen the movie to be listening to this blog. If you haven't, you <laughs> yeah, have to I mean, stop right now and go rent and go it. back and re- listen to our <laughs> On VHS. Listen to our Journey podcast if you're confused at this point. But um, the voice that he's imitating is the voice of an old acting coach that he and Matthew Broderick had. And John Hughes didn't get it. I mean, it, it, the two of them would just crack up and laugh hysterically whenever Cameron went into that voice. But it, it was he was imitating some old acting coach. Right. It's not a really great story, but it's a story. It's funny. I, th- I, I thought it was really. It doesn't involve anyone leaving anybody at a U two concert. <laughs> no, and I'm laughing inside funny. where it counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that John Hughes was actually made a cameo. I didn't realize this as guy running between cabs. Uh, if you look up uh, the IMDb uh, really? cast, and there's also a cameo really? in his hand. <laughs> he, it's doesn't his involve own, Mr. Rooney, does no, no, it? No, no, no. It's his own hand. It's John Hughes' own hand pressing the speaker button on Cameron's phone. Yeah, that's true. Because apparently none of the camera guys could get the shot right, and when everybody left for the day, he shot oh, it himself. You know what he said? I was listening to the, to the DVD uh, commentary, and he says, he, you know, John Hughes is kind of a surly type. You know, and I, I don't think I'm being unfair by saying that. I always picture John Hausman when I think of John Hughes. <laughs> John Hausman? You mean like the paper chase. <laughs> Mr. Hart. <laughs> no, I think uh, he, what he said in the DVD commentary was uh, that the uh, Cameron couldn't quite, or Alan Ruck couldn't quite get the the drama behind punching the button the way he wanted it to be done. <laughs> so he drama. had So he had to do it himself. And I'm thinking, I think you, uh, you overdid that scene. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us were really paying that much attention. Mr. Hughes, if you're listening, I have nothing to do with that comment. I want to distance myself from that. <laughs> God, Jason, But I'd also like to add, Mr. Hughes, that I do agree this is your best movie, not Breakfast My favorite scene Oh, in now the who's whole, sucking up? My favorite scene in the whole movie, and I will ask you guys after this because I do care what yours are but I care more about what mine is. My favorite scene is in the art museum, the Chicago Institute of Art. It's a beautiful beautiful there? scene. I've never been there but I've been to so many art museums around the world including and when you go, places you, in Paris you, and everywhere you go, in New York. When you go to art museums do you hear that music in the back of your no, head? No, but that really makes the scene. It's a beautiful version of um, Please Let Me Get What I Want Please Let Me Get What I Want by the Smiths but it's done an instrumental version done by the Dream Academy and it really right. it's a beautiful it's, I've never heard the version before outside of this movie and um, it just sets such a beautiful tone as they're all looking around at these really famous pieces of art if anybody knows art they know that museum in Chicago is like it's stellar and I I went there long after I saw this movie and I went and saw every single piece that they show in the movie and of course, those pieces are the most popular pieces yeah, anyway. But I lots think lots of Picassos and a yeah. Modigliani. It's and great. Um, and um, as John Hughes ex- explains in the commentary, he chose that. He did that scene specifically because he spent a lot of time there as a youth. Yeah, that was like his, I'm sure. uh, his uh, little solitude, his oasis. Yeah, everybody in, in, in Chicago that I know raves about the museum, and every 
person I know that's interested in the arts, I mean, that's the first place they go in Chicago. I've only been to Chicago for a weekend. I didn't have time to get into that museum. So it was sort of What did you do there if you weren't special. going? I, I mean, I was there so, so quickly. I, I was there for 24 hours and still got there. Okay, hey, And I also got in, to Wrigley Field. Hey. Speaking of Wrigley Field. Yeah. I hate art museums. I just had to get that in. Well, Chase, uh. that's because you, you only want television and you're a Philistine. So. <laughs> Gina has no TV. I Gina just thought I'd I have that. a TV. I just yeah. don't have cable then you or don't have broadcast a TV. things, and I watch things on DVD, like art documentaries, Chase, because I'm highbrow and you're lowbrow, and <laughs> that's that. Oh, no, geez. but that scene is beautiful, and it shows like what an impact it has on Cameron, and 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 you know that you get those close-ups of his eyes just staring at that one painting by the French dude Seurat. Or you know, I'm not sure how to and pronounce. His name. I have to I say the part where it. he goes catatonic right after that. You know, <laughs> you think it's because of the art? Too much <laughs> art. You stare too closely. At I should have just been home watching Brady Bunch. You're talking about your favorite parts. I think the worst part is when they're by the um, by the by the lake and he's catatonic mm-hmm. and a Cameron, Cameron, they get him by the pool. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't yeah. get that at all. Well, every all. John Hughes movie has a, has a part a real clunk that you could just take out and throw away, or a part that just makes no sense and. I think what I like about Ferris Bueller is it has fewer of those throwaway scenes than like a movie like um, I think Pretty it shows. Does. I think it shows that Cameron finally got a little playful, you know, and he pulled one over on Ferris for the first time ever. Don't you think that's what that that's scene a hell means? Hell of a long setup. Then he rides around yeah. catatonic for four hours. Right, it does seem like a long. Setup. <laughs> he went a long way I, for I that guess one. So. But I, I, and you know, well, and so, finally, like Ferris lost his cool for the first time because right. Cameron was pulling the wool over exactly. his eyes. Chase, what was your favorite scene, dude? Dad, you don't understand metaphor or nuance or anything, dude. Everything's got to be sitcom, sitcom, joke, joke. I had a nuance once, but I got it lanced. I mean, that's what you do, right? you know. It was the size of a golf ball. <laughs> Should I seen the stuff that came out? Anyone? 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 No, my favorite Spires, scene, I, I think, def- definitely has to be the setup. Has to be the beginning where he, where again, as Gina said, he breaks down the fourth wall, and they have the little bullet points. You know, yeah. uh, sweaty oh, palms. Right, right. When you bend over, him, moan and wail, lick your great. palms. I mean, it's it's stupid and childish, but. So, so is my job. School. I mean, high school. So is high school, right? <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> Didn't slip. say that a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That I'm, is a really great scene. I'm sitting there trying to think, and I can't. You can't narrow it down to just one scene, oh, Steve? Man. You know, okay. I, I, love, I love when... Um, when the whole fake phone call routine. That's yeah, funny. That's I mean, you got to love that. Um, I like... How about the gadgetry and the technology he goes through to prove that he's sick in bed when his mom comes in and he's got like a oh, yeah. robot in his bed? Well, here's something funny. When, he call, when he's on the phone and he's calling people at high school and uh, playing with his little keyboard that has all the coughing sounds on right, it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Or, you know, at the end, someone pointed this out um, online, but at the end where he has to jump back in bed and has to turn off the snore machine by throwing the baseball. Right, and it you lands can, right in the glove. Well, you can see that he's left-handed because he throws it left-handed. Oh, wow. The mitt that it lands in is, is a right-handed, right-handed mitt. Oh. I never would have kind of ever an interesting little that. blown the lid off of it. Something interesting wow. there, yeah. So, now, did you notice that yourself? No, 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 no. Okay, I, sure. Yeah. Right. I don't notice much myself. <laughs> no, right, right. <laughs> so, I do love the scene, though, where they... Saw it on some sort of pop up. As they as they they're taking the My day life off. is a giant pop up <laughs> video. I just wander around. This stuff pops up in front of me. That's Steve Spears dope. actually went to high school right here in St. Pete. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bite your tongue. He was Clearwater, my friend. That's right. Gina's the St. Pete person. You can't you tell she's like the hipper person. It's the accent. Yeah, yeah the St. Pete accent. Yeah, my real St. Pete accent. She's got that surly like pull a knife on you at a moment's exactly. notes kind of attitude. Well, I went to good time, wind. man. That's how we roll. I'm sitting here all dressed like a preppy. Uh, so which one of you is one of the Jets? That's, you know, you're a <laughs> Wait jet. Wait till the dance you're routine comes. You'll so, see. Yeah. We're going to do it all. Folks at home, you can't see the dance routine. You need one of the iPod videos. And yeah, 3D glasses. Yeah. And stuff. 
I like to see in a uh, Wrigley Field. Not only because I'm a huge Cubs fan, but just because I think it's hilarious that. Uh, <laughs> Loser. <laughs> are you a White Sox fan? Uh, Red Sox, the greatest. Red that Sox. Is. Okay, well, we'll see about that. But uh, when they're in um, Wrigley Field and enjoying things, and Rooney's on the on their tail, nearly catches them. If you'd only been looking at the TV when they catch the uh, foul ball, that's great. But yeah, you have that I great love exchange. All those little things too. What's like the he's score? On the TV. <laughs> zero zero. Who's winning? The Bears. <laughs> we could do this whole movie. But I don't even really have to watch it. But I love the little exchange where uh, they go into the little the little little league patter there. Um, I think we have a clip of that. It's cute up, Master. I think I broke my thumb. Hey, bada 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 bada, swing bada. Come on. Hey, bada 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 bada, swing bada. Kennedy, 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 swing bada. That's classic. <laughs> Classic. As much as we love all the, the great lines from this movie, there's got some great music in there too. And the, it? there was never a soundtrack, right? Well, yes and no. There was never a soundtrack that was kind of produced by a record company, put out for anyone to buy. But because John Hughes thought that so it didn't work. the songs didn't work well together, mm-hmm. he thought nobody wants to own a soundtrack that has Twist and Shout <laughs> along with Donka Shane, Zig Zig Sputnik, Zig Zig Sputnik on it. So soundtrack of my life, right? right. There so. You go. And to be honest, it the is, first time I heard this, saw this movie, I thought half of them songs that were running underneath, I thought those were just, I thought that was, inst- I didn't think, yeah, I thought it was like the score. Songs, I didn't right, think it was right. real songs. But I didn't even realize yet you know, when I saw it the first time that, oh yeah, it was actually like a real yeah, song. I thought yeah. they just put it together for the movie. But they did actually make a soundtrack. We should that, mention it. It is a song that he by mailed Yellow. out to people who, who wrote in and said, hey, oh, I really that's like cute. it. So they, they said it cost them about $30 per soundtrack to mail it out. And I think they mailed it to about 10,000 people. And what's up with the repeating uh, Wayne Newton tune? <laughs> Don Shane. Yeah. So we were pointing out that is the greatest, one of the greatest songs ever recorded. Of all time, ever. Really? And I should mention here, as I was telling you earlier, I have seen Wayne Newton. Twice. Three times. Three times? Including at the Wayne Newton Theater at Fabulous Stardust Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. I hear he's wow. as good anymore, though. I hear oh. he's lost oh, his... Kidding. Bite your tongue. I just heard. I, I, I may say. come over this table. Wayne, Wayne, if he, he, that wasn't me. I love right. Wayne. I loved Wayne. Well, I need to point out then that I, I have actually seen The Smiths live, and that's of interest to people listening to our 80s podcast, because you know a lot of people I know have seen Morrissey solo, which is great, but I actually saw The Smiths, and let me point this out. Did they play Girlfriend in a Coma? Let me point this out. It was their last show ever. Really? Here in... Here in where? Um, in Bayfront Center here in Florida. That was their last show ever? It was their last, their last ever? show ever as a band. It, on it was a tour. They, br- they went back to England and they broke up right they, after they that. They got tired of trying to keep up with crazy? the Joe Isn't that crazy? It was the last well, show, I, 1986. If I played St. Petersburg, that's the last show I ever did. Isn't that insane? Yeah, I did not even know either? that until like nearly... Uh, it was about uh, more than a decade later. Uh, some researcher here at the Times told me that was the last show they ever played together. I, I have a question about the music in the John in John Hughes films. Yes, go ahead, that, Gina might know. But in Ferris Bueller, we see a poster for Simple Minds in his bedroom. Yeah, right. um, there's a lot of allusions to other John there, Hughes. Aren't there? But the, yeah, the Simple Minds Breakfast is Club. Breakfast Club. Sure. What was it? Did John Hughes have something for the? Now I have seen the Simple Minds in concert. Mm-hmm. Never was a big fan. They just opened for the Pretenders because the lead singer was married to Chrissy Hine. Right, but. What was it with John Hughes and Simple Minds? Does anyone... Well, actually, is that a- we found out that he, he... The song was originally written for The Pretenders or something. Didn't we find that out with our Breakfast yeah, Club Yeah, I think the podcast? song was written it for The It wasn't originally written for The Simple Minds. It just kind of... And Chrissy Hine, I think, said, we don't want to do it, but we know a band who will. That would be my husband's band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Something like that. He, like, that. needs a hit and stuff. Yeah. So, uh... 
I don't know. That's he, just an interesting. It's, it's the only song he uses of them in any movie, though. Right, yeah. but, it's, but then he has the poster pop up. I mean, yeah, they, I think, they don't strike I think me as being said, that popular. He decorated Ferris's room himself. He said. Did you see a huge a cavalry post- Voltaire poster? Which is a lot really of posters strange. that he they had. Very popular. It says it look, he basically said it looks like his room back when he was in high school, and I believe that. He also you, said he modeled the Sloan character after his girlfriend in high school, who became his wife. And Cameron was also <laughs> modeled after another person ah. who he used to know. You want you want to jump over the table and yell at me now? When I first heard Donkey Shane, I thought. Was before, I thought that was a woman singing. No, sixteen-year-old Wayne Newton. That's the, that's the original. Well, he sounded recording. like a woman when he was sixteen yeah. years well, old. Well, we should. I think swear. I did too. I <laughs> are we going to listen to it? I mean, people are probably hearing us babble and thinking, I, "I've got to hear the damn song." <laughs> okay, take it away, Wayne. Darker shame, darling, darker shame. Thank you for all the joy and pain. Picture show, second balcony Was the place we'd meet, second seat Go Dutch treat, you were sweet See, that doesn't sound a bit tough See, you could see I would confuse it for a female's voice I don't at all, I think it sounds great (laughs) I totally thought it was a chick (laughs) Yeah, well, but there you go, you know, live and learn That's what movies are for That's why we don't go to school anymore so that we can learn everything from movies. Are we going to play the I Dream of Genie song? No. No. Okay. We'll just sing it. I'm not going to dance, though. I'm already out of breath as okay, it is. Okay, let's come back. Name Shall some other great songs from this movie. Um, uh, no, no pressure. No pressure. Well, I, I am a big fan of all that general public English beat stuff, so that stuff was in there. Oh, yeah. English but they beat. were the beat, and now we call them the English beat for whatever March of the Swivelheads. March of the Swivelheads is in there. That was a, a nice song. Everything in that's the That's one of the ones that I thought was and was just part of the score. I didn't know that was an actual song. Yeah, because that's kind of instrumental, too. Right. That's in the, in the, don't forget the Lockport Township High School Band. Which was the marching band, uncredited. Oh, well, we're going to give them credit shout. right here. Right. Say, the name, say the name again, Lockport Chase. Township High School Band. Wow. Salute. All right. What part were they in? The part they were in the parade. They did the uh, all the parade work for Twist and Shout. Oh God, yeah. If we don't bring up Twist and Shout, someone will come over here. And what about us. during that scene with Twist and Shout where they had those dancers? And if you look very closely, when they're dancing, the the actual choreography they're doing is. Exactly the choreography from the, the thriller, thriller video. Yeah. <laughs> so pay attention to them on the steps. Right. That whole scene was just brilliant. You know, you know? what? The, as many times as I've seen the movie, that's one scene I could live without. Oh, it's oh, German American Festivities Day. I can Steve. There's a lot of reference you know, to German things in this movie. You've got German Appreciation Day, which is the parade. You've the got whole Donko Shane Donko Shane thing. <laughs> the um, I think Charlie Sheen's character in the movie is a real German, is a real heavily German name. I don't have that. You're What's right. It? Oh, You're right. Right. I'll dig that up as soon as I No, I found it. I it's Garth Volbeck. Right. And How would we know he has a name? It's probably well, in the credits. It was, but was I mean, longer why scene. would you name the character? Because it, it, it originally was a longer scene. Yeah, oh, they probably okay. edited a lot out. You know, the, you know Simone, I'm just thinking of people who just had little tiny uh, parts. Simone, who says, you know, my brother's girlfriend, so I can pass out at 40, 31 Flavors mm-hmm. in, the, in the Ben Stein piece, actually played a part in Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> and her name was Christy Boner. Oh, wow. not making that up. Say no more. <laughs> there you go. Garth, meet Christy. <laughs> and every time someone's eating something in this movie, have you noticed it's only sauerkraut? No, I'm totally making that up. I'm wow. just trying to go with the German. action. I don't remember anybody eating anything this entire movie. Steve's easy. Yeah, pizza. Yeah, maybe they what? don't eat it at the pizza park. I don't think they eat at all. They just Ed just Ed Rooney gets it. Oh, here's something bizarre though. Anytime 
Ferris and Mr. Rooney are together in the same scene. Only one of them is talking. The other person, and the other one is picturing the other, the other without person his clothes is on, just sitting there with their mouth shut. Even when he's on the phone with them, there's no inter. It's just one. It's just That's, Ferris talking. When Rooney catches him outside the house, it's just Rooney talking. There's no. I don't know what. That's the, because Ferris did. There, or, um, uh, Mr. Rooney did Ferris's voice. It was like a, a, a ventriloquism. <laughs> Ventriloquism. He wanted. I doubt. Hey, there is another. Um, there's another reason why we have Chase, the Chase star here Mr. today. Rooney. And that's because this uh, movie was turned into a television show. Oh, yes, right. two television shows actually. Yeah, so the we horrid Ferris Bueller's Day Off television show it lasted about six episodes, and the good one on Fox, Parker Lewis can't, can't lose. lose. That was on what? Fox, a classic. Wow. Yeah, it was one of Fox's first shows. That was a good one. Who was in Parker Lewis Can't Lose? I remember the kid. It was some. I don't know. Oh, now guy. you've done it. You've now we know that that, that uh, what's his name? That the great big guy Kubrick. Or what was his name? Stanley Kubrick. No, the big, the big, the big <laughs> he dude. Really guy. Into he went on to become Jerry on ER. Oh wow! Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, so there, there was well, some success there. But the, Parker Lewis can't lose. Jerry on? You mean Anthony? Whoever? No, 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 big guy. When I no. become, it works behind the counter. I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> because she doesn't have a TV. What Sorry. is this thing? But uh, what's TV. funny is, uh, in uh, if you look at Ferris Bueller can't lose, you'll see playing his sister is Jennifer Aniston. Really, yep. very interesting piece there. for the nose job. Again, Did you can you buy the remaining job? the remaining pieces on eBay. I'm sure yes. there's lots of pieces of her you can buy on eBay. Mm. Sweet. <laughs> wow. I can think I have of no some. idea what that means. Wow. <laughs> you sounded clever at the time. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you. Back to the songs because if we if we in this podcast without playing this, I'm going to throw a hissy fit. I love. It's not uh, pretty. It is not pretty. It's just sweaty and nasty. Yeah. Uh, Hey Ed Rooney. <laughs> Ed Rooney. Let's just how many times can we do that this podcast? I'm sad about hey, Ed cut to I want to listen to uh, Bad by Big Audio Dynamite. Great, Anyone else great, want to listen to that one? Great band. Great band. Okay. Former Clash member, you know. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Who wouldn't know? I have no idea where that song comes in in the movie. Oh, it's uh, when they're pulling into the parking garage in Chicago. It's playing on the car radio. Is in relax. I'm a professional. <laughs> relax. <laughs> do you speak English? What? Yeah. What country do you think this is? Yeah, we can do this. I don't remember movie. that music at all. It's funny. It's playing in the background, up. and I had never heard Big Audio Dynamite before this movie, and I liked that little clip, and I became a big fan of them ever since. That's really weird. It's such a nice story. That's what happened with me and Wayne Newton. <laughs> so it's funny. See, it comes full circle. You were playing in on the car radio when you parked the car, and no, I worked in a parking garage. Let's get some other trivia while we got a chance. Yeah, just one weird thing that I had was that uh, the the guy who plays the maitre d at Chewy. Uh, oh, he has uh, so many great lines. <laughs> Entre nous, I'm a little busy, kids. You take the field trip somewhere else. That's Jonathan Schmock who went on to write several very special episodes of Blossom. Every episode of Blossom tonight is a on a very special. Very special. Hey, and there's a woman with. A, who potentially had a nose job? Yeah, well, so potentially, yeah. Wait, before why don't I want to hear something from Mr. You want to hear the? You want to yeah, hear? We the have Mitra something, D? don't we? I'm sure we do. We have something of everything. He's so for you. snotty and so put out snooty, by these. Snooty, snooty, snotty. <laughs> okay, here we go. Cue it up. I weep for the future. 
Uh, he's a very he's such a small character in the movie, but all he's right, so Abe, no can, we, uh, can we call it a day? Only here. small actors. <laughs> oh, Abe Froman, the Abe. Sausage King the of Sausage. Chicago. You're the Sausage King of Chicago. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, Abe Froman is like the is the code name that me and my friend uh, up in Memphis use a lot when we're emailing each other. When he's looking for a job, he'll tell me that Abe Froman is on the phone and stuff like this, or <laughs> Abe Froman needs your help and stuff like that. Abe nobody, nobody picks up on the whole Abe Froman thing. Wow. Sweater vest, devilishly handsome. Yeah. Well, I think we all have learned a lot from Ferris Bueller. We learned Abe Froman. We learned how to tell our parents we're sick and get away with staying home from school. When you, when you stay home, do you say, I'm pulling a Ferris? Because that's what I do. No. I never thought to do that. I just told my mom I don't want to go to school today. My mom always let me stay home. She Even, was terrible. People, and my mom would take me when out. When people here at work call in sick, I say they're pulling a Ferris. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I just call in hungover. Yeah. 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 People no appreciate honesty. <laughs> Well, when it comes to honesty, it has nothing to do with Ferris. He's the master liar, and we all love him. But he has a good heart, a really he good heart. And I think we all learned a lot from him. It's I really a do. And what's the f- and the final thing he says is, you know, life, life passes. Fast. Life moves pretty fast, and you got to enjoy it. Or you know, so I should take this sentiment. opportunity to tell you, I'm leaving the Times. I'm going to join the Peace Corps. <laughs> <laughs> like We've Tom already Hanks been to and the volunteers. Citadel, right? <laughs> That's a movie we won't be doing a podcast about anytime soon. But as until then, we'll remain firmly stuck in the eighties. Ferris, take us out. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the online minions of the St. Petersburg Times and TBT. The engineer is Mr. Dave Morrison. Special shout out to David Peterkovsky for producing our Zippy show opener. If you'd like to email us, please don't. We never answer our emails. But go to our blog at www.tampabay.com slash blog slash 80s. And remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.